amount was, and you know, I was just disgusted. And uh, in fact, Friday, I had to forgive Brother Larkin because Friday I wanted to drive down to Texas, find the person, and punch him in the throat <laughs> for doing that. You know how that feels, you know, because you're violated, you're, they're stealing your identity. And um, I had to forgive and say, let that go, and I'm not going to punch anybody. I'll let the Lord take care of it because vengeance is mine, says the Lord. So, Lord, you take care of them, get them saved, and um, um, change their wicked ways. Amen? Because I just, and whoever they are, I don't even feel any animosity anymore. I was very more upset with, my, with technology than anything else. You can ask Corey. And so, um, because it shouldn't, there should be better safeguards than that. But as somebody was putting out on Facebook yesterday as we were posting, to all my friends in CIA um, seeing this, I thought that was funny. So anyway, let's get into the word. The word's more precious than anything we can look at today. Um, in the cross, in the cross there is victory. In the cross there is victory. Can you say amen? Our victory is gained at the cross and lived out in our lives, okay? So many of us just get saved and say, oh, grace is cheap and I can do whatever I please. No, victory is gained at the cross and it's lived out in our lives. God's grace should be lived out in our lives daily. Amen. And it should look like we're sanctified, meaning we're separated unto God. It should be looking like we are trying to live a holy life. That's the synonym for sanctification. Did you know holiness and holy is a synonym for sanctification? Not righteousness. Righteousness deals with... Okay, let me explain that real quick and then we'll get into the word. Holiness and sanctification deals with our relationship with God. Okay? Our relationship with God. If our sanctification is right, if we're trying to live a holy life, I said trying, that's why we need God's grace, because we don't always succeed, do we? My word, we're working on a car and we smash our finger, what happens? We don't always act sanctified in those moments, right? We're, we're going ahead and the kids come in and they're screaming their heads off coming through the door after school, after you've been trying to sleep all day because you've got to go to work that night. And, and now they've aggravated you and you're trying to be holy all day long. It was easy to be holy all day long, Lord. It was so peaceful in the house and then they came home. So like I said, we're trying and that's why we need God's grace. Amen? But our sanctification and our holiness deals with our relationship with God. Righteousness, however, is not a synonym of sanctification. It's a separate word, and it deals with our relationship with each other. So if we are living holy lives as well as righteous lives, our relationship with God and each other should be okay. And when I talk about relationship with each other, it's not just those we go to church with. I'm talking about with the people in the world because they need to see our righteousness being lived out daily. Unfortunately, and it's been this way, and I wish it was change, usually when I am dealing with people, when I am needing something done, a lot of times when I go to the contractor that's not saved, he deals with me better than the contractor who's saved. Ouch. I found that with mechanics as well. Christians should be dealing with, the, with their customers and people 
better than those in the world. So I got a good report about Curtis the other day. I got a friend who's, um, he's been working on his car, his Packard, um, off and on, and he just loves Curtis. Now that's a good thing. That's a good thing, isn't it? Oh Lord, I just pray and thank you for this word today. I thank you, thank you that it's going to sink deep down into our hearts, find good soil there. And Lord, that it will permeate our minds as well. That Lord, this word, will, this seed that we're planting today will grow in our lives. So that we can go and touch other people's lives, each and every one of us, Lord. Because each one here has their their group of people that they can influence, the people that there are friends that don't go to church with them, the family members, Lord, that they can tell about Jesus. And so, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we found our victory in you, that we found victory at the cross. And, Lord, that we, if we would just leave our burdens there, if we would just leave our confusions there, if we would just leave those things that trouble us at the cross, oh, how better we would be. But Lord, so many times we come and we come to the foot of the cross to leave something there and then we pick it up and we go back home. Lord, teach us to leave them at the altar. Teach us to leave them with you because Lord Jesus, you already carried those burdens, those problems, those concerns on the cross when you died for us and you declared from the cross, it is finished. Lord, help us to live by faith. Help us to live in our faith. Help us, Lord, to live for you and never grow weary in living for you. We praise you for this, and I thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, Lord, we thank you for the anointing that's here today. There's been anointing over this whole service. I don't know if you've been feeling that today. And so I didn't even need to ask the Lord for the anointing today because the anointing's been here. All we have to do is grab it. All we have to do is enter in. 1 Corinthians 15, 55 through 58 is what we're going to be looking at. We're going to look first at 55 through 57. And it's one that you, we've already read today. Isn't that interesting? I didn't even look at our reading today. I just assigned it today. I love how the Lord works. I didn't look at our, I didn't want to be influenced by anything. I just wanted to be influenced by the Holy Spirit. And so I didn't look at our read today that Joanne did with us. I just wanted to be influenced by the Lord. And so we have already read this, but, but let's look at 1 Corinthians 15. So if you have your Bible or your smartphone that has your Bible on it, just turn there so that you can mark it up and uh, um, write notes in the margins and all those things. Oh, by the way, I saw an interesting thing that one of our churches is doing. They just started on Wednesday night to the Wednesday night. They have Bible coloring journal time. Is that what they call it? It's, it's a journaling class where the, the ladies of the church get together, those who like to do this, probably some men like to do it too, but they're getting together, bringing their... I don't believe this. I don't know. We're, we're living in a different age. Now we got all these older folks. They go to the Christian bookstores. They buy their journaling Bibles and their journal and stuff, and they color in their Bibles. And there's Christian 
color books now for adults. I think it's cool. I think it's, it, it's great if, you know, some people it just relaxes them and it's okay. But it also reminded me of the old missionary going off to Papua New Guinea who did a film about Christians sitting around just making daisy chains while people were going over the edge and nobody was trying to stop them from going over the edge into hell when they should have been there. And he ran there and says, help me to rescue them. I, we, if you help me, we could stop them from going to hell. Help me, help me. And they know they just stay there stealing their daisy chains. So if... If our coloring is stopping us from witnessing to others and growing in the Lord, then it's a bad thing. But if our coloring is going to help us to get into the Word more, that's a good thing. Because the old monks used to do it when they used to copy the Scripture. Oh, yeah. It was the reward for studying the Scripture and copying it right. They got to decorate the page. So if we are studying the scripture and we're doing things right and we're reaching people and that's our reward, oh, hallelujah, that's awesome. I don't have a problem with all that stuff. But when we use it as a substitute, <laughs> and so sometimes I think we do things to substitute when we need more. But I do know for some people that is, that's turned out to be a blessing because it just relaxes them from all their stress. And so um, I know somebody who we bought for Christmas um, um, special um, colored pencils. And so that was really cool. So um, that's why I don't have really a big problem with it. It's just when it becomes a substitute, we're not seeing the, the, the real. By the way, if you want, right now, they're now to 40% off. Most of the time, they've been doing 30% off at um, the Christian bookstore in the mall. So if there's been something you've been looking at and wanting to get there, they've been running 30% sales, and now they're up to 40% because they're closing their doors for good. And so um, you might want to take action on that. All right, let's look at um, verse 55. Oh, death. Too many times we just read this at funerals. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? Some Bibles say the grave there, but that's hell. Where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. Hmm? And the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Our victory is gained at the cross. Our victory is gained at the cross. Jesus defeated death at the cross. Jesus defeated hell when he died at the cross. He did it. It wasn't because of your good works. We read that this morning. You can't work your way into heaven. You can't persuade God to change his mind about you. There's only one way to defeat sin in your life, to defeat hell in your life, and that is through the blood of Jesus Christ. He is the only one that can give us the victory that we so need. 
Let's look at why Jesus waged this war for us. If you don't think it was warfare that was going on at the cross, you haven't really read your Bible. Jesus waged war against sin. Jesus waged war against hell that day. And the grave and sin and hell thought they won when Jesus breathed his last. What they didn't realize is on the third day he was going to resurrect and burst forth from the tomb victorious. So that we can say, oh death, where is your sting? Oh Hades, where is your victory? The sting is death. The sting of death, the thing that kills us is sin. Oh, I know they write something on your death certificate. Died of heart failure, died of old age, died of cancer, died of this, died of that. You know, they, they do that. Oh, he was shot in the head. Um, you know, things like that. <laughs> but the truth is, what killed you was not what they put on your death certificate. What killed you was sin. Because it says the sting of death is sin. And it's the truth. God warned Adam and Eve, if you eat of this tree, you shall surely die. Uh, God was just full, wasn't he? Sarah was there, wasn't she? He was just fooling around when he said that. No. He was from fooling around. He meant what he said. And when they ate the fruit, we died spiritually. And Jesus came to resurrect us spiritually. But we also had to face a physical death. And if you read a lot of the Old Testament writers before Moses started putting more perspective on things, boy, oh boy, just read the book of Job. Look about how they look how those folks viewed death. It was just inevitable. We're just going to be dust. And life is over with. How can we praise you from the grave? Well, Jesus even fixed that. <laughs> Didn't he? I read them the stuff in, in Job. It's like, but wait a second. When you read Revelation, we're up in heaven having a good time praising the Lord. Because Jesus fixed all that. That's why he waged the war. All sin, and no matter how we try being good, it can never cover up. That good, being good can never cover up our sin. But Jesus is our remedy. And then it says the power or the strength of sin is the law. The NIV says the power of sin is the law. The New, New King James and the Old King James says this, and the MEV says, the strength of sin is the law. Why is that? Because it's the law that shows us our sin. It also shows us our need for a Savior. Come on. The law tells you it's like a mirror. You can look in the mirror and say, I'm good looking or I'm funny looking. 
The, the mirror says when we look in the mirror, I need to comb my hair today. <laughs> the mirror shows us if we got stuff stuck in our beard. Hmm. I can't remember the title of the book. Devin probably does because it was his favorite book when he was little. It was about a guy with a long, long beard. And because he didn't look in the mirror and he slept outside, he, he had a problem. A bird came along while he was taking a nap and built a nest and laid her eggs in the eggs hatch. And so he was stuck there until the birds flew away with a bird nest in his beard. He kind of looked like Curtis, but he had a longer beard. Because he didn't have that mirror, he didn't know a bird was building a nest in his beard. <laughs> I can't remember that. Somebody had his long, long beard. Devin just loved that when he was Bodie's age. I had to read it over and over. You think I'd know the title and over again. <sighs> kind of like Joshua and his trains. <coughs> That's what the law does for us. Paul calls the law our schoolmaster, our school teacher. It shows us our need for Jesus. Now here's the thing that most people, most evangelical Christians don't know. If you could keep the whole law, the whole law, every part of it, there's more than just the 10 suggestions, right? Well, wait a second, that says commandments, right? More than just 10 commandments, there's a lot more laws than just that in the Bible. More commandments than that in the Bible. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. All of them. Right? Do you know that if you could keep every single commandment just like Jesus did, you could get into heaven? But the problem is sin. And nobody until Jesus came along was ever able to keep all the commandments. Not before, not after. Not even Moses himself was able to keep all the commandments. He got in trouble because he sinned. Because he let the people aggravate him so much, he sinned and he struck the stone the second time instead of speaking to the stone as he was commanded and got in trouble. We sympathize with Moses. But he still got in trouble. Yeah. If you had to be a, the leader of the Jews, oh my word, can you imagine? Moses, we're here to see you today. Moses probably thinking, oh, praise God, they're finally coming here to praise the Lord with me and pray. Hey, Moses, we're here to complain. Grumble, 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 grumble. All these people you gave me, Lord, what is wrong with them? I remember in my first church, I went through a period with those folks in that first church, and finally somebody preached at me about the need for revival. And I went ahead and had a one-man revival in that church. And I turned every one of those people over to God and I said, Lord, they belong to you. You do something with them because I can't. And it changed everything and revival came to that church. God's the one who has to do the work. So, this, so that's why the power of sin is the law. Because it shows us. That's why. Why do you think they're trying to get rid of the Ten Commandments all over the country? Because they don't want their sin pointed out to them. 
But what they forget is not just the Ten Commandments that God has. He has a lot more in the Scripture. And the other thing they forget, they can remove every Ten Commandment statue. They can remove all the Ten Commandment posters. They can go ahead and chisel them off of our buildings. But they what they forget is the Bible says, Paul points out that God has wrote his laws upon our hearts. We can't escape God pointing out you need to be saved. But thanks be to God that Jesus came with the solution. It is God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He won it for us. Only through Jesus can you find pardon, forgiveness for your sin. Can you say amen? This is why we need to be telling people. That's why we need to be singing that song more. People need the Lord. I've always wanted to do that song for, uh, in, during the wor uh, worship service, and Jason found a way because he just took the chorus. I knew those the two brothers who wrote that song. They were Baptist boys. And in high school, they had such a burden to reach the lost. It is the cross we find the grace of God. It is at the cross we find the grace of God. Why do you think we love singing the cross, those songs? At the cross, at the cross, where I... And, you know, there's power in the blood. Why do you think we love singing those songs? The church, need, the church in America needs to go back and start singing those songs again. There's a lot of churches in America that will not sing the, power, the blood songs or the cross songs because they're afraid it's going to offend somebody. My word, really? They're going to offend somebody? How did you find that out? You're so worried because you want to be PC? My, uh, Paul told us it was going to offend us. The cross is an offense. Even Jesus said so. And you go, you go back to the Old Testament, Moses wrote about it. That My word, let's stop worrying about being PC. Let's stop worrying about offending when we t and tell people the truth that Jesus saves and he loves them. Now, I'm not talking about, you should be concerned if you're offending people because you're going around gossiping about them. Mm, I can't stand that. I'm so glad that it stopped, at least me. I finally got it to stop coming to me. I got tired of prayer requests that sound like gossip. People don't do that to me anymore. I go, praise the Lord, hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we got to stop and pray for James for a second. Lord Jesus, we just lift up James to you right now. Yeah. Lord, he needs your strength. Yeah. He needs your help right now, Lord Jesus. Lord, we pray that you give him wisdom in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You saw that come across earlier this week. He just needs your strength and wisdom and encouragement. So if you want to get a hold of James and just encourage him, do that. Don't cry. Just love him. Um, 
So we need to claim our victory. You need to claim your victory. Plead the blood of Jesus over your circumstances. Because Jesus has already declared, it is finished. Start pleading the blood of Jesus over your children. Start pleading the, if you've been sick for weeks, start pleading the blood of Jesus over yourself. It's the blood of Jesus that saves. It's the blood of Jesus that cleanses. It's the blood of Jesus who seals us. There's power in the name of Jesus, and there's power in the blood of the Lamb. We need to plead the blood of Jesus over our children. We need to be pleading the blood of Jesus over them that he keeps them safe. There's weirdos out there today. Our children need us to start pleading the blood over them again like our grandparents bled the blood of Jesus over our parents. The blood of Jesus is kind of like a shield. <laughs> Start pleading the blood of Jesus over your children. You're, you're kind of pleading a shield around them, a 360 you know, shield around them. You know, do, 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 protection. <laughs> you can also pray for a hedge of protection to be put around them. Not only the blood of Jesus over them, that's, that's, the, that's the greatest defense. And then you start pleading the hedge around them. <laughs> and then you ask the Lord, make sure their guardian angels aren't sleeping, huh? That's awesome. We need to plead the blood of Jesus more. And plead the blood of Jesus over your life. My word, we're Pentecostals. That used to be our trademark. Let's start pleading the blood. Oh, glory to God. I know we've had some abuses, abuses over the years. But we need to get back to what's right. Hallelujah. You can never go wrong pleading the blood. Verse 58. Hey, by the way, remember Jesus said it is finished. Your circumstance is going to come to an end. But you know what? I would bring it to the cross and leave it there. I love the picture of John Bunyan. Um, in when he writes Pilgrim Progress about Christian he's going to go get up the hill of Calvary to get saved and he's carrying this heavy heavy pack on his back this great great burden and he's climbing up the Mount Calvary and he gets to the foot of the cross and, he, and he's all exhausted but he's finally there he, that last leg he crawled up to the foot of the cross Oh, and he finally there and he, sur he surrenders to Jesus as he's reaching up towards him and the burden of his life just falls off of him and it rolls down the mountain never to be and he's all of a sudden lighter than anything and that burden is gone and he's able to make his journey too many of us get to the foot of the cross the burden is relieved and then we pick it up and carry it away with us instead of leaving it there because we weren't taught to leave it at the cross. Just leave it at the cross. That's why we brought the altars back here so that you can come and just unload your burden and leave it 
at the cross. Leave it there. I could go to to Romans chapter 6 and talk about how when we were buried in baptism and made brand new and came resurrecting out of our salvation, brand new creature, that we're supposed to leave the old man buried. But so many times we grab the old man by the foot and we drag him around and then we wonder why we have a stinky mess following us. We need to realize we have been made brand new creatures in Jesus Christ. Christ, we have been freed from who we were. No longer are we that person anymore. No longer do we need to carry around the guilt and shame. God has forgiven us from all of that. And we need to claim that in Jesus' name and realize that Jesus said, It is finished. Verse 58. I only got two points today, by the way. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always, I love that word, always abounding in the work of the Lord. This is a happy verse. Why don't we just use these verses for funerals? <laughs> this is really happy verses. I know that we use it to encourage people, but these are happy verses. They're not supposed to be going, oh, we're going to mourn now. No, there's a lift us up and make us rejoice in Jesus. Knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Our victory is lived out. Not only is our victory found at the cross, but our victory is lived out in our lives. Remember, we have, we have the victory. Remember, the victory we have is because of Jesus, not because of what we do. This is why it's so, it is important to learn to be reliant on the Holy Spirit. That's why it's so important to come to Sunday school and learn. Oh boy, did we have a Sunday school class. My word, I wish it was taped today. I wish, I wish we had cameras in there. Boy, oh boy, it was better than watching uh, um, some of those preachers on TV. Well, I'm telling you, it was great. We got into, we were learning out of the book of Judges today, but we were applying it to now. And that was how cool it was. It was so wonderful. And every, oh, the discussion we had was marvelous. And our teacher kept it moving along. She has a good way of keeping us going and moving along. Sometimes she's going, where are they going now? But she always brings it back to where we're heading. And it was wonderful. And so we talked about three out of the four judges we were looking at, and we missed seeing, we, she didn't get a chance to teach us about that Scandinavian Jew. Yep. And so, if you didn't, weren't there, I'm not going to tell you about it now. You'll have to <laughs> ask somebody who was in Sunday school, what was he talking about a Scandinavian Jew? Just ask Jason. <laughs> how do we live out our victory? Paul tells us. Paul tells us how to live out our victory, doesn't he? He says to be steadfast, hmm. immovable. To be steadfast is to be immovable. Another way of saying this is to stand firm. Let nothing move you. That's how the NIV says it. Stand firm. Let nothing move you. 
Be steadfast, immovable. Don't go ahead with the crowd. Don't go along with the culture and say, okay, we will look at the Bible completely different. Instead of thus saith the Lord, we're going to start saying, thus says our own interpretation. We're going to go ahead and say, no, I'm going to stand. I'm going to be immovable. If the Lord says it that way, I'm going to believe it that way. I'm not going to change the interpretation just because the culture says so. The culture's always been wrong. Aren't you glad culture has changed towards the Scripture and now they want to take us away from the Scripture and make us slaves again? You know that's what Common Core was all about, coming into the schools to make our children slaves when they got done out of school? Curtis and I are talking about that on Wednesday night. To dumb down our kids so they don't know how to think critically, so that they don't, can't go ahead and rise up against their masters. That's what they did in the Middle Ages. They wouldn't let the people learn to read. And yet God requires, according to the Bible, requires us to learn to read. What are you talking about? The Jewish nation was the first nation that was given a simple alphabet, 22 letters, I believe it was, or 20, 24 letters. And that's it. Where all the other cultures around them had a thousand letters. Can you imagine an alphabet of a thousand letters or more? You can't remember all that. You know, we have a hard enough time remembering everything from A to Z. You know? And it was required that we taught the Bible to our children. That we read it. No other culture said that. And now they want to take us the other way. So during the Middle Ages, the kings kept everybody controlled because nobody learned how to read except for the elite. Isn't that interesting? But when the Reformation came along, what was the big... Technological change of the the Reformation, the printing press, and learning exploded, and the Bible was translated into our own languages to be read. Let's not go backwards. The Bible says in the last day there's going to be a famine in the land, not of food, but of the word. Paul continues, how do we live this victorious life? Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Another way of saying it is always give yourself to the work of the Lord. And that's done in a lot of ways. He uses each one of us differently in his work. And that's so cool. He uses Brooke differently than he would use Judy. He uses Judy differently than he would use Marion. Right? And, but we, if we're always abounding, if we're always letting ourselves be working in the Lord, always giving ourselves to the work of the Lord, we will be living out victory in our lives. And we can do that in so many different ways. We don't have time to go into that part this morning. But if we would do these things, we would see the Lord's victory in our lives. Think about that. My word. All the women here who work a job and then have kids at home. Let's see, there's Loray who works full-time now, and Robin who's working full-time, and Brooke who's working full-time, and those crazy hours that Brooke works. Oh, I know you two are grateful you don't get those swing shifts like Brooke does. 
well, this week you're going to work all night long. This week we're going to have you work in this, many, this time of day. This week you get to work during the day when the sun is shining. Oh, thank God I get to see again sun again. I thought I was a vampire. I don't know how you put up with how you do it, but we bless you for it. <laughs> there you go. But see, as she is working at the job, she can also be working for the Lord. As she comes home and has to deal with the family, she can be working for the Lord. A lot of times it's just saying, Lord, help! I need your help right now and your strength. Andrew's uh, had to work seven days this week. And he says, I'm getting tired. He's had to work today. But he can still stand up for Jesus. In our darkest moments, we need to thank Jesus for our victory. Amen. You see, that's where Satan doesn't want us to do. Is when we're worn out. When we're worn out and we're tired. Or we're stressed out. We forget to thank the Lord for his victory. Did you know that God can move faster in our when we are thankful than when we're grumbling? God loves a thankful attitude. Uh, Paul writes about it. Just read, your new t just read the epistles and you're going to read about it all the time. Paul writes about having a thankful heart. Thanksgiving, and you'll read the Psalms, how many times it says thankful, 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 thankful. God can move faster when we're thankful. So when we're going through our darkest moments, we need to thank, thank the Lord for the victory. Thank Him for your victory. Thank Him for your healing. Thank Him for touching your children. Thank you for bringing, fixing that relationship. Thank Him. Because he's the one who gives us the victory anyway. I want to bring this plane to a landing. The last part of verse 58 says, Knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I love that. Sometimes we get so tired that we feel like, Oh, is it worth it? It's worth it. He said, that's what Paul's talking about here. Knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I am so glad he put that in there. <laughs> Our God keeps his promises always. Living for Jesus Christ leads to victory. Think about it. Heaven is our home, is it not? And great is our reward. Jason doesn't realize today when he picked up the first song that we sang today that was John, John's favorite song. I haven't sung it because um, it, in a long time because that was one of the songs we sang at his funeral. Oh, wow. And so I just hadn't done it because for Doris' sake. And then I forgot about it. And so that was so cool. That was his favorite song. I got a mansion just over <clears throat> the hilltop. Why was it his favorite song? Because no matter what, no matter what happened, not, not only not, when they lost their grandson so tragically, 
He knew that his labor was not in vain. He knew that his reward was great. He knew that heaven was his home and that God was going to get him endorsed through it. And he did. And God wants to get, him, get you through your darkest hour as well. The mistake we make is that we forget who we should be living for. What? I wrote that before you said it today. <laughs> the mistake we make is that we forget who we should be living for. Can I get an amen? amen? Jesus Christ needs to be first in our lives. Our victory comes from him. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. The cross is where we gain our victory. Amen? Oh, let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this message. I thank you, Lord, for touching us, Lord Jesus. I thank you for speaking to us, and I thank you for these words of encouragement today. I ask you, Lord, that you would do a work in every one of our hearts. And, Lord, we could leave our burdens with you. That, Lord, we could leave our pain with you at the foot of the cross. And, Lord, that we could get, claim our victory. And, Lord, as we do, that we would have such thankful hearts that we can't help but labor for you and win some to the kingdom. We praise you in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.